Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to True Restoration. Here is your host. I'm your host, Jason Gordiano. Our show guest is Father Michael Oswald, pastor of St. Benedict's Traditional Catholic Church in Lacey Spring, Alabama. Welcome, Father, and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. Restoration Radio is pleased to present Escape from the Novus Ordo, free of charge to our listeners by the generous sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch, novusordowatch.org. To receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes, please visit restorationradionetwork.com. Go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. If you are not a member and would like to purchase an individual episode, go to restorationradionetwork.com, navigate to the episode of your choice, and simply click the links below the player on the page. After completing your purchase, you will be emailed a secure download link. Restoration Radio episodes are syndicated on iTunes and Stitcher. If you are listening to our content in iTunes or Stitcher, please be sure to leave us ratings and reviews. This will help those who are searching for truly Catholic programming to more easily find our content. You may find the links to these two syndicates on our homepage. On this first episode of Escape from the Novus Ordo, we will be discussing recognizing the problem. Uh, before we begin, Father, would you lead us in a prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother Holy of Mary, God, pray, Mother for us God pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Pontus Ligori, pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Father, you and I are both escapees, so to speak, of the Novus Ordo sect. You left in 2009 and myself in the past year, 2014. And Father, you are a unique vocation because you were ordained in the Novus Ordo and made the steps to become a true priest. That is, that's correct. I, I spent um, six years in the Novus Ordo Seminary and was, quote-unquote, ordained in 2008 within the Novus Ordo and... and by 2009, I, I knew that all my research that I've, you know, the struggles that I've been having in regards to the differences with the Novus Ordo and the Catholic faith um, finally kind of came to a head when I was in the parish, assigned to a parish, and, and left in uh, 2009. Um, spent another couple of years then uh, with um, um, studying, uh, revisiting my seminary and my, my studies with uh, CMRI. Um, with Bishop Avernus and uh, Father Casmer, and, and then finally was then ordained properly and uh, truly by um, Bishop Avernus uh, just a few years ago, about three years ago. So. Yes, Father, and and we won't recount your whole story in complete here, so please refer to uh, the show description where I will leave links to uh, to a few of interview a few interviews that Father has done with uh, Terrestrial Media, uh, conducted by Stephen Heiner. And uh, I believe uh, an article in the Four Marks, uh, which is a CMRI publication. Uh, so the uh, purpose of this show is to help give encouragement and guidance from a true Catholic priest, Father Oswald, in uh, becoming a true Catholic in order to save your soul. Do you have anything to add to that, Father? No, not really. I mean, as far as uh, other than the sheer fact that, you know, we do live in... Uh, very uh, dangerous times, of course, in regards to um, our, our souls. And um, it's a matter of, of 
you know, the Catholic Church and the Catholic faith has been very clear and very, it's very clear. It's always been very clear. It's very um, understandable. It's very, um, it's true. It is, there's nothing that is um, obscure in regards to what uh, the faith demands of us. And uh, I think those who who are of goodwill and, and striving to be Catholic, um, certainly uh, I'm sure are uh, a Lord by, by God's grace, of course. I mean, like you and myself, um, you know, we were able to see the truth eventually. Um, sometimes it takes longer for some. Sometimes, you know, it's shorter. It depends. Uh, whatever our Lord uh, deigns in that regards. But certainly it is... Uh, it is not out of the realm uh, for anyone um, to recognize the truth. I mean, it is not, you know, the truth, as the Lord says, it's, you, know, you don't put it under a bushel basket, and it's not, it's not hidden. It is there uh, for those who have eyes to see. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Right. Seeking the Catholic faith with goodwill. Uh, Father, where do we begin if, if we want to be a, a Catholic? Well, you know, I think um, the main and the easiest thing really to do is <clears throat> is to to look at what the the church has always taught. I mean, that's that's kind of the crux of the matter, I think, for for most today, and and was for me, and I'm sure for you as well, is that you look at the Novus Ordo, and you see that you know you see what they're teaching, you see the praxis of what's happening, the practice of their of that religion and and you see you know the changes that all the changes that happen and then one has to then step back and say wait a minute what has the church always taught and it's really easy because it, for the sure fact is that all you have to do is really pick up an, an old catechism like a baltimore catechism or you know any of the old catechisms catechisms prior to vatican II or two as well as to you know, read some of the old encyclicals of the true popes, you know, of of Pius the Twelfth or Pius the Tenth or Pius the Eleventh, or you know, any of the uh, which they're readily available online, and you 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 can read them, and they're they're uh, sometimes, of course, there's some things maybe that for some maybe a little bit over their heads in regards to theology, maybe, but for the most part, they're very clear and they're very concise and they're very just like the Baltimore Catechism, the old catechisms are very clear, very concise. There's not a lot of extra verbiage per se uh, in regards to that. And then you compare what that, what the church has always taught to what is now being taught or what is being practiced now. And, you know, it kind of shoots then the whole Vatican II sort of, um, sort of, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the kind of, the constant verbiage coming from them that, oh, it's the same faith, just presented in a different light. Well, if that's true, then, you know, something that was taught for 1,965 years then should be continued to be taught and not the opposite. So really, it takes, a, we don't have to be theologians to, you know, no, no lay person has to be a theologian to, to look at the, what the faith teaches and what requires of us. And it's always required. And, and if one really goes to the heart of the matter and really understands the kind of the, the philosophical underpinnings of truth, you know, truth doesn't change. Truth is God. You know, truth and God doesn't change. He's, 
you know, the truth is all, it's either true or it's not. It's not going to be shades of the truth. It's not going to be partial truth. It's not going to be this. And truth, you know, doesn't change. It doesn't contradict itself. And so, you know, one, one kind of can kind of start there and, and just begin to look back at some of the things that the church has always taught. And, and like I said, the catechisms are wonderful things to say, you know, wait a minute, and you look at the Baltimore Catechism, then you look at the new catechism of John Paul II and came out in 90-something, I think, or and you, you begin to see there's some major differences there. Um, major, but not just differences, but just a, a whole lot of verbiage and gray grayness that's kind of there within the new catechism of Vatican II, and you're like, why? It, it, you know, our Lord doesn't, our Lord didn't make our faith so complicated and obscure that you know it, it takes no one knows exactly what is being said, and and so. You have to look at just little things like that, but it, it takes a little bit of effort on our part, a little study, uh, a little little patience, of course, with just you know going through these things and and, and just looking. And, and one thing that's helped me immensely too, because I was a voracious reader in regards to like the lives of the saints or or of of uh, writings of the saints even. And then you'd say. You know, the times, obviously different times, maybe, you know, different eras that they lived in, but you look at the, the, the main, the general principles that are there in regards to the lives of the saints, etc. And, and and you try to apply them then to the Novus Ordo, and it just doesn't fit. I mean, there's no, it just, it just doesn't fit at all. And, and so, like I said, it doesn't take a theologian uh, necessarily to say, to begin to realize there's a problem here. That's right, Father. It's surprising the clarity of the old catechisms compared to the John Paul II catechism, which contains much more text. We are using the De Harba catechism with Bishop Sanborn on the catechism show on the network. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, when I was in seminary that, uh, you know, the only thing we really studied was Vatican II and post-Vatican II, and, and, and the only old things prior to Vatican II maybe that we touched upon were either in, in a church history class or um, it was kind of denigrating things. You know, we, we went over like uh, Morari Vos, which uh, is a great encyclical, which condemns basically religious liberty and condemns um, freedom of, of religion, etc., all these sort of things. And 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 the instructor would just you know laugh and say we don't believe this anymore we don't teach this anymore this is not what the church you know believes anymore. But then you look at then the encyclicals of say of of a John Paul II or of a Ratzinger or a Benedict or and it's 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 so filled with so much verbiage so much you know subterfuge so much I mean it, it makes your head spin and I, I remember getting many times a headache reading from. Uh, um, from John Paul II, or or from that, you know, because you're you're like, what is he trying to say in five pages, which could have been said in a couple of sentences? Um, so that's kind of a, a a red flag in the sense is that you know why why is there's this constant verbiage, constant sort of kind of numbing oneself in a sense when you read it. You know, they may say a couple of things Catholic in one sentence or two sentences, and then, you know, then a few sentences later, there's just a whole 
heresy of modernism, et cetera, and all that kind of mixed in, admixture in that. And people just get tired of reading it. And it's like the documents of Vatican II, it's like, you know, it's so much verbiage there. It's like how, you know, who, who can really sit through and read it all without getting a headache? And so most people don't. And they just go by, well, okay, that, that must be what, you know, whatever this person's saying is that, oh, that's, that's how it is. And, you know, they'll take a little snippet rather than try to actually read and understand what exactly is being said. And the clarity is just not there with anything really Vatican II or post-Vatican II. We have a show on the Restoration Radio Network that covers the heresies found in the Vatican II documents, a three-hour super show. I'll link to it in the show description. Season 1, the flagship show, episode 13, the, the Second Vatican Council with Bishop Sanborn. The red flag that you mentioned about the writings of Ratzinger or John Paul II, it is true that people fatigue when reading them, and people just put it up to that their minds are so great that we can't understand this. So it's tough as a layperson to sift through these modernist writings and know what to do. So you give up. Yes, it's very it's very easy, and, and I mean even even as a seminarian, when I was a seminarian, I mean try try studying that for three months at a time, you know, every day, and. You know, it does numb your mind after a while, for sure. On top of of reading about the faith, what sort of prayer life should we be looking to to foster? Well, I mean, you can look at, um, you know, the the what the imitation of Christ is very clear is. You know, we we have to study and we have to know our faith. We have to have the knowledge of that in, in regards to the intellect, but. It means nothing, really, if we don't live it, or if we don't practice it, or if we don't, you know, put it into into play, so to speak, into action. And but I think what helps with that is God's grace. Obviously, is that you know we intellectually we can know, we have to study, we have to know our catechism, we have to know the basic tenets of our of our faith and all of that. But yet, you know, without the, the added benefits, uh, which is most importantly of of the spiritual life of of the life of grace is that, you know, it's not going to do us a whole lot per se because, but I think one thing that would extreme, would that help me immensely, I know for sure, is that prior to entering seminary, I took the total consecration uh, of Our Lady of, of, with the method of, of St. Louis de Montfort. And I'm, and I've always had from that point on, and I, even into seminary, even I would pray the rosary daily. I mean, and, and I would try to pray, not always, but if I tried to pray, you know, all 15 decades of the rosary every day and, and, and just put myself in the hands of our Blessed Mother and, and uh, to help me to see the truth, to help me to lead me more closely uh, to her son. And and, and I'm pretty sure, uh, well, I'm not pretty sure, I'm positive that the only reason why I am where I am at now or where I saw, um, by God's grace, where I saw the truth is because of our Blessed Mother. Is because, you know, I, I don't attribute anything to, to myself. My, I don't consider myself to be any smarter than, you know, any anyone else per se. But it's certainly by the cooperation of God's grace, by the, by the hands of our Blessed Mother, that certainly helps me, and I, and, and I can give a little antidote to that, is that when I was in the Novus Ordo in the parish, <clears throat> whether as a seminarian or as a, you know, presbyter, quote-unquote priest, 
there would be always ine- inevitably and then repair so there was that there would be a small group um usually younger but not not necessarily younger but a small group to where you can tell that they were trying to they were trying to be catholic i mean and truly catholic as as lived the faith as it always has been lived and the thing that count, that was in common with every one of them i mean every one was absolutely common was they all pray the rosary daily with their family. Um, and, and that was um, certainly, I, I think, um, you know, our Blessed Mother is going to watch out for them and help them too as well. And I know there's been some who have uh, finally seen uh, the truth and, and, has, and has come to Holy Mother Church and the traditional church. Um, and, and it's because of, of that you know, great devotion to our Blessed Mother, as she, you know, she is, she is the crusher of heresies, as, as, as uh, you know, Saint Dominic could certainly attest to. Um, and so, you know, she, she will not stand for, um, to the, for the, her children, for her those who are devoted to her, to be too long caught in the snares of, of error or heresy. And so, uh, I think a good devotion uh, to our Blessed Mother, praying the Rosary every day. You know, taking the total consecration to our Blessed Mother, um, you know, and, and I think that will help those who are still within the Novus Ordo, you know, to begin to have the the, the graces, the actual graces, the courage uh, to continue to, to look for the truth and, and to eventually then find it. Yes, definitely devotion to Our Lady and the total consecration to Jesus through Mary of St. Louis de Montfort can guide us to maintain the faith and give us perseverance. We would like to remind you that you are listening to Escape from the Novus Ordo on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Jason Guardiano, and I am joined by Father Michael Oswald, and today we've been discussing recognizing the problem. Father, this is our first episode of of Escape from the Novus Ordo. What is the Novus Ordo? Well, the Novus Ordo, in in a nutshell, um, would be, well, the term Novus Ordo is the new order. It's, It's taken really from the Novus Ordo Mise, which is the new order of Mass, which is the new Mass that Paul VI had, had instituted um, back in Vatican II. Um, but you, you'd, you'd want to say that the, the Novus Ordo really, and it, it is, you know, one has to kind of, you know, words mean something. I mean, there's something that's there. Um, you know, we don't just say things, just say things. It always has a meaning. And so if it's something in new order, you know, the word new always has a, has a connotation to it. It means there's something that's different from the old then. But with the Novus Ordo is that it, it's a good moniker um, to 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 say um, I mean, there's other terms people say that conciliar church or, you know, the Church of the Vatican II or, or something. But, you know, the Novus Order is a good one because it is a new order because you have to look and step back and say, wait a minute, they they have a new order of Mass. They have a new Mass, which is different from the Mass that has been said for 1,000, 1,500 years. Um, you have then a, a new catechism, which we just discussed earlier. Um, you have a new code of canon law. You have a new morality that's being taught. You have a new theology, so it's all new. And if it's new, then you know what relation does it have to the old? And there's none actually, because it is a. So you know when you say it's a new order, it is truly a new order. And and you know why 
is the old saying, I think it's, uh, you know, Will, Will Rogers, uh, you know, used to say, you know, if it ain't broke, why fix it? You know, why was, why did things have to be new? I mean, why, one has to kind of ask these sort of, or understand these general sort of questions and say, you know, why, why, why new? Why, how do you have a new mass? What was wrong with the old one? Why do you have a new catechism? Why do you have a new, you know, if there's nothing new being taught in, but there is. And so there's all things new for that regard. It's not just like taught in a, in a different light or expounded maybe in a more profound manner. It's, it is new. And so the Novus Order would be uh, what we call is, is, is truly then, and it maybe it's hard to take for, you know, for, for, for some, I mean, to understand or to, it was hard for me to, to kind of comprehend that first, but it is truly really a, a, a new religion, like like what um, Henry VIII had started too in regards to the Anglican when he broke with the Church of Rome, with the the the, the, the Catholic Church in, in England. I mean, it was it was a new church, it was a new religion that he started, and although it looked Catholic for a while anyway, and it's some you know high high Anglicanism even today, I think even still looks more Catholic than the Norse Ordo, you know, but. It's still a new religion, and so it is with that that when we say the Noah's order would be, it would be the the new things implemented the, um, at the Vatican II Council, um, and that would it's a good it's a good moniker uh, I think to to remind that it is a new order, it's a new a new religion really. Yes, that is a revelation that. Is tough to swallow, and uh, to hear that it's a new a new religion that that really uh, hits you in the gut too, cause, because you just feel like you've been deceived all this time. That is, I mean, that's you're right. I mean, that's exactly that's that hits the point on the head right there. That it, you know, there was a in literature and stories, and I think there was even a movie of some while ago where basically you had this person who was living in this alternate reality or it's like a reality show I guess you'd say and everyone can see and, and see this person but this person thinks this is the reality and but everyone knows that you know this is just all contrived and this is a you know we're just for his for their entertainment at his expense it's kind of the same feeling when that guy in that story realizes that that wait a minute this has all been just you know, I, this is this is basically a lie. What I've what and I've been living in a sense. You know, it's a it's a very tough pill to swallow, and, and it's it's a uh, you know it was hard. And, and as you well know, and as I know, and then anyone who's left in the Lasorda, it's you begin to go through all those sort of. Uh, you know, feelings in regards, I guess you could say, the anger, the denial, the, you know, the, the, all that sort of kind of, you know, because you, you begin to realize, wait a minute, all this, because like myself, you know, I was born in 1972, so all I knew was the Noah's Ordo itself. I mean, I never knew anything of the church prior, I mean, the true church. I mean, and so, but when that, when that revelation came or when that, Grace came when I saw the truth. It was, it was uh, it, like you said. It was kind of like a, a, a being punched in the stomach, and, and you just it takes your breath away for a while because you realize, you know, this is, 
you've been, you know, I've been ultimately, um, objectively anyway, you know, lied to in a sense. Um, and it, it, it is tough. It is difficult to deal with that at, at first. Uh, one thing I heard from your, one of your interviews was uh, realizing that, that you were also a cafeteria Catholic. You know, that's always a term used for, you know, the quote-unquote liberal Catholics, which is a whole other problem of dividing Catholics into different camps. But but yes, that realization that, oh, I'm also a cafeteria Catholic, just uh, trying to choose all the traditional things. Yeah, that I mean, it's, you know, I got, I was in with uh, many of myself, myself and many of my confreres who were like-minded like myself, you know, we would always, you know, point, point the fingers at, you know, all those kind of crazy liberal things that were going on in the, back into whether it be, you know, um, liturgical dancing and, you know, all this sort of goofiness that was going on and say, you know, well, shame on them, that's terrible, it's terrible. But in the same, you know, that as goes, when I was pointing a finger, you know, straight pointing back at you. And so I was, I didn't realize that it really, it's the same coin. It's just different sides of the same coin is that, you know, you have the liberals and the conservatives within Vatican II and, and they both, well, both sides will, like you said, will will pick and choose whatever corresponds to how they think it should be, and it's it's you know that's it's a it is a cafeteria Catholic mentality, and ultimately it's a Protestant mentality because you know you're you're picking what you want and and then protesting the things that you don't want, but yet all of it is under the auspices of the Novus Ordo. There's no condemnation of liberals or especially liberals, but not necessarily conservative per se as well, but it's all okay. And you kind of have to, if you want to be a Novus Ordo, if you want to be in the Novus Ordo, you have to submit to it all. You can't just pick and choose. And once I, once I came to that point that I was, I was just like, I was a Catholic, cafeteria Catholic. I mean, it was, that was another, uh, another little shot to the, the stomach that, you know, brought me to my knees uh, as well. We would like to remind you that you are listening to Escape from the Novus Ordo on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Jason Gordiano, and I'm joined by Father Michael Oswald, and today we've been discussing recognizing the problem. Father, we've discussed uh, seeking Catholicism with goodwill and and, ha- and, need, and and the need for a prayer life and, and doing what you need to do to save your soul, to, to know your faith and to live your faith, uh, the Catholic faith, rather. We've just gone over what is the Novus Ordo. Father, uh, those of goodwill looking to become Catholics, yet they find themselves in the Novus Ordo, many of them, maybe they don't see anything wrong. I mean, many of us, we uh, you know, we got involved in the Novus Ordo politics and, and struggled with that. But, but what about people who just want to you know, be a Catholic and be obedient? Uh, what can we say for those who say there, there isn't any problem? Well, it's it's um, if if one comes to the point, I guess, where one doesn't see any problems um, within the Ordo, you know, that everything's just fine and dandy, and and everything is just going along smoothly, and you know, it, it, there's not really a whole lot per se that one could present to them and say, you know, what. Don't you kind of see in that regards of what's going on? But, you know, one thing that I think is helping today, because the the crux of the problem we have with Novus Ordo is, is not, 
is not say just about uh, the Latin Mass. It's really the integral parts of the faith. It's about dogmas and doctrines. But for especially today, where where so many people are just well uncatechized. I mean, they don't really know the faith per se. But one thing that you're beginning to find now is beginning. It's always been from Vatican II. Um, slowly but surely, but it's become more pronounced or more known is that, you know, they're beginning to change at least more exteriorly or most, uh, or more, I should say, vocally now, things of morality, um, you know, basic morality. You know, when you have this sin of the family that they had and they're going to have and, and, and people are, are, are looking and, and there's this, acceptance even praise at times you know of of these terrible moral issues you know the the you know the, the sins that cry out revenge from heaven they're 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 they're, ex, they're accepting that they're extolling that really and and you know most most people you know just that's basic natural law even and they're like wait a minute something that just doesn't sound right and and so a lot of times the 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 uh, uh, the praxis of things, or the the morality of the everyday, the morality of things, I guess you could say, um, kind of hits people more readily, or or they're more apt to recognize those things rather than say the dogmas and doctrines, uh, you know, which is at the the crux of things. So it, it, you can kind of point, in a sense, to some of those moral things. Uh, that's you know Vatican II accepts you know whether it be contraception whether it be you know homosexual unions etc or now you know you know divorced and, and remarried to have the sacraments etc all these things that you know people are, tend to be a little bit more understanding of, of those things than say uh, talk to them about you know why say the the dogmas and doctrines of Humanism and religious liberty, and you know all you know that is a, a departure from the faith because really ultimately they kind of are so uncatechized they don't really know in a sense the basics of the faith which the Novus Ordo has not taught um, purposely in my opinion I think so I, I think it's uh, but the, the, the that might be a good avenue sometimes to just point out to people and you just kind of throw some things out there and let people think about them like. You know, if if takes uh, uh, um, an issue more of let's say abortion, you know, if if the Novus Ordo was truly against abortion, um, and, and you know, all per se, I mean, you would you would think that it would come out in in absolute force, and that it would, you know, would have the the um, the uh, the clout or the 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 uh, say to to really put pressure. Upon you know politicians, etc., and you know especially those quotable Catholic politicians who vote for it and do that, you know, you would think that there would be a little bit more of a conservative effort to to you know fight that. So you just kind of throw a little seed like that to have people see. Wait a minute, you know, yeah, there's, there's something that's kind of not right there, and and then from there you can kind of build upon that and say, well, there's a reason for that, and it comes from. You know, the, the departure from the faith ultimately. I mean, it kind of, but I think the morality maybe it might be a, 
especially now because it's becoming more blatant, the immorality now, you know, maybe is it beginning to wake up a little bit more. I've seen it to wake up, you know, some more people now um, because it kind of hits them in more directly, so to speak, than, say, a, a theological understanding of, of the faith. So definitely the morality is a huge issue in the Novus Ordo that people aren't being catechized, that no one is learning the Catholic faith, so no wonder this isn't being recognized as a problem. Going through the Novus Ordo, it, it was interesting to learn that, that the troubles are more than just reverence versus irreverence in the Novus Ordo Mass or, you know, reverent Mass of Paul VI, Novus Ordo Mass, or a, or a Latin Mass. Um, it was much more troubling to find out that all of that isn't the important part. It's the it's the doctrinal issues, as you referred to earlier. Yes, I mean in my when I I teach um, every parish I've been in um, now, you know I, I've taught a catechism class on the Novus Ordo, and I always stress the fact that it, it, it's really not about the Latin Mass. I mean it, it is, but it isn't. It's kind of a modernist speak, you know, the double speak. <laughs> it is, but it isn't. Is is it is. You know the mass is is the external worship, of course, of of the church of of, but it contains within itself, you know, all the doctrines and docs, all the faith itself, and within the mass itself. And so you can have, and I think even I've used this many times, and I think I'm pretty sure it was Father Jacada. I said it in a sermon one time, or, or or somewhere that I read, and I thought it was just fantastic what he said. Is that you know. And he, he was telling the same thing. He says, you know, the Novus Ordo, they, they'll give you the Latin Mass, which they have occasionally, you know, with the indults or, with, you know, they'll give you that, but they won't give you the faith behind it. You know, and that's the that's the crux of it there, that it's, it, it is it is truly, you know, about the dogmas and doctrines. And, and, and we can't, you know, it, it's, it's nice, of course, to have the... As, the old saying goes, you know, the smells and the bells and all that. That's great, certainly. But, you know, if you don't have the faith behind it, it's, it's empty. And like I said, you can go to a, a high Anglican service and it looks very similar um, to, uh, um, you know, the traditional mass. And, you know, but obviously they're devoid of faith. I mean, they have nothing behind it. It just looks, it just has the smells and bells, but that's it. And, and that's the same you know, with the uh, with the Novus Ordo, you can't look and be caught up in the externals. Um, I mean, although the externals are are a big part, of course, but it is more about the nature of things we're talking about, the essence of things, and which is, you know, the essence of the faith, the crux of the faith, the dogmas and doctrines. And that from that everything flows. Um, and so, you know, you, one can look at the the effect, you know, what the the things that have happened and, and see. But you then you have to then search for the cause. What is the cause of that? And and so that's that's you know because that's an easy trap where people can get fall uh, tripped up into. And, and by the grace of God, I you know I never went the indult or the SSPX or anything of that nature. But it's certainly a, a, it could be a very easy trap when you begin to just look at well as long as they give me the Latin math. You know, and all they have can you know see that. No, it doesn't 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 work that way. Um, and uh, so that's uh, that's a danger, a pitfall that certainly one can can uh, if one is solely just uh, on the superficial, or at least uh, I should say on the exterior thing. Um, you know, one has to be aware of that.
that that could be a, a certainly a, a danger to fall into. Yes, it is frightening to realize that maybe you're just another flavor of mass. Uh, you have the charismatic mass, the mm -hmm. all sorts of music mass, the young adult mass, and then you're just the Latin mass. You're just another another flavor in the uh, right. cornucopia of uh, diversity. That's true. That's, that's very true, and that's it's it's almost uh, you know in a, in a certain sense that I feel I feel sorry for those in the Indo, in a certain sense because. You know they, you know they want to do, they want to be, you know they want to live that mass, they want the true mass, they want the true faith. I, at least, objectively, one can say that. But you know they're being even more deceived, really, ultimately, than those of the Novus Ordo, you know, mainstreams per se. But you're right; it is just another flavor that's, you know, you can be under this uh, kind of big old kind of tent sort of thing, and and um, you know you can pick and choose ultimately then what you want, but. You know, one good thing about what you're seeing now as the Novosoro continues to, I mean, just uh, at a rapid pace, just just disintegrate, really, ultimately. Uh, you know, and it, with especially with Bergoglio now, you know, and Francis I, and um, you have just this, uh, I mean, you, you look at it and you see it, it, that what you're seeing now when people are, are beginning to see now in Francis and that is, is really the, the true face and the true product of Vatican II. I mean, he is truly a, a child of Vatican II. He is the child of Vatican II. And, and uh, you're seeing the true face of it. And, and those who are in the, you know, the, the adults, you know, the granted, it, those will slowly be closed down eventually because there's, there's no more, I think the mask is going to be coming off more and more now. Is that you know, there's no that that spectrum now, that wide spectrum now is is still going to be there for some things, but for anything semblance of Catholic, whether it be the version of the uh, the that mass, whatever the indult, etc. I think that's going to be uh, you know uh, the head is on the chopping block. I think for that eventually. Right, right. It's also surprising coming to tradition to discover that Benedict and Francis are the same in the sense that uh, they're both modernists and just Benedict was hiding the modernism in traditional trappings. Yeah, ex exactly. It is uh, right. And then, you know, the, there are, they're, they're out of the same pod, so to speak. I mean, they are, they're just different, uh, different um, presentations of the same, heresy of modernism. I mean, it's just a, whereas the, you know, Benedict all the way down to John the 23rd, you know, they, you know, they were formed um, in the true church. I mean, they were, they were formed, uh, you know, with all, before any of the changes. And, and obviously they were inculcated with all the modernism, which has been around for 100 to 200 years. And, but they were, they were, they were, they were still formed by the, the true church. And so, they're very good at playing the game. They 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 could put on the face of of traditionalism, or they can put on the face of modernism. I mean, they played the game, so to speak. And I remember even in seminary, um, we used to have in my seminary in, in the Soto Seminary, we had, there was a huge painting, a picture of of John Paul II, and and, and you know the we used to think, uh, as those who are trying, you know, more conservative side, oh, you know, we would look to John Paul II as, you know, oh, well, he, you know, he he upheld uh, 
um, you know, the ban of women priests and, you know, and he, some of the more conservative sort of things that he did, he made up held them, but then all the rest of the, which is the vast majority of them, were of the liberal mindset of them are seminary, you know, oh, we hate him, we hate him, we hate him. Well, but the same thing could be said then, you know, of Benedict and of, of Paul VI, of all, all of them, they all kind of play the, uh, whoever they're kind of, you know, playing or speaking to, or they'll kind of play the game to where they'll, they'll try to hide a little bit more, or they're a little bit readily more to hide things, you know, be more sly about it. Whereas Francis the first now, I mean, it's, you know, he's like the, I mean, he's just like the screaming baby. I mean, he's, he's just right there in your face. This is, this is, this is what I am. This is what, and, at least you kind of have to credit him for for something is that at least he's honest to the fact that he's he's unabashedly a modernist and he's unabashedly a pro, a child of Vatican II. He's not trying to hide anything. So at least you can say he's kind of honest in that regard. We want to remind you that Escape from the Nova Sordo is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. Permission can usually be very easily obtained by writing to mail at truerestoration.org. That's M-A-I-L at truerestoration.org. Uh, when we say modernist, Father, maybe we should define uh, modernism for uh, for our listeners. Uh, modernism, um, well, as Pope St. Pius X uh, had said, modern, modernism is the, is the synthesis of all heresies, but it's it, it really, a, a, you know, you go to a Catholic dictionary or, or even a, there's a nice little book that I called called the Catechism of Modernism, which was based on the um, Pius X's encyclical um, Pascendi. But it basically just says you know, modernism it began you know, really about in full force really in the 20th century, and, it, and it, it's it's the foundation of it is ultimately agnosticism. You know, it's it's, it's the teaching that God can in no way be the the object of, of a certain knowledge. You know, no one can really know per se God and also of 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 what we call imminence, uh, which is the teaching that the foundation of faith, you know, must be sought in an, an internal sense, you know, which rises from man's need of God. In other words, it's like a interior knowledge and a kind of an interior feeling that, you know, this is this is the faith. Um, faith comes from you know inside. So, but really, modernism is kind of the since it's the synthesis of all heresies, just imagine every heresy that the church has faced, all the way from the beginning of the church, uh, you know, all the way through the centuries. Imagine, you know, because the church would faith, um, a heresy would pop up, and oftentimes it was one major heresy, like say the Arian heresy, where um, you know the church had to face that and was. It was, you know, difficult, and, and but it was one heresy that was predominantly there. And, you know, just the church was able to battle that kind of head-on, etc. But now you have modernism, which is taking all those heresies and, and kind of putting them all together and attacking the church at once. Um, and so it's kind of the, the, so modernism, you know, it 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 basically changes everything. It takes everything from, um, you know, you know, doctrine makes new doctrines and makes new dogmas. It demolishes anything really of old. It reduces faith to just that inner feeling, etc. Kind of a of a, really a, a kind of do whatever you kind of feel, etc. Um, and so it is. 
it's a very pernicious and it's a very it encompasses so many things. You know, just think of any ism that you can think liberalism or naturalism or any of those sort of isms, and that's part of modernism. And and so you have a it's a big thing, really. Ultimately, I guess you know Pope uh, Saint Pius X. You know, I mean, he he really, I mean, he's he's you know just a couple of words. You know, gave it the really true definition, the synthesis of all heresies, and so that's really modernism in a in a nutshell. Um, but you know, it it does teach. I mean, there's like I said, the the little book of the Catechism Catechism of Modernism. It's really very good. I, I use it often when I teach in in uh, class as well, and you know, it goes through all the the errors basically that is that is uh, modernism and. and it's just amazing that uh, it is it is truly the synthesis of all all heresies that the church has faced. Yes, Father. So you're telling me that my faith isn't based on how I feel or what I feel. That's yes, that's correct. Yes, it, it, because um, you know our faith is you know is in the intellect. And it, it is we have an intellect, we have a will, and if yes, feelings are can be certainly a part of it, but it, it, what the Noah's Ordo does and what modernism does is, is it takes the feeling part of it and it puts it at the top rather than, you know, just sort of a, almost like a side, you know, issue in a sense. So it kind of supplants the intellect and the will um, and it presents then, well, it's what we feel. So that's why you have what you have in the Noah's Ordo, you have, uh, you know, so many who are, have the mindset of, I go there to Mass, or to, the, you know, what they think is the Mass, and you know, to be entertained. I want to hear good, you know, peppy sort of music. I want to have a good, feel-good, you know, sermon or homily. I want to, uh, you know, I, I want to, you know, participate. I want to talk and see everybody and have a nice social hour and all that, and it's, you know, basically feeling, you know, kind of uh, having my feelings, you know, being uh, you know, prominent in that regard. But it, it is, it is, you know, not about feelings. Because if our faith is about feeling or about feeling good, etc., then, you know, you have to look at some of the saints, you know, like St. John of the Cross. Um, you know, he spent nearly 20 years of his life um, without any sort of consolation, without any sort of, you know, feelings in regards to, you know, faith, any sort of, you know, kind of uh, feeling good about the faith, etc. I mean, but he faithfully every day, of course, did his daily duty. He prayed every day. He did it all he was supposed to do. And he always put himself in the hands of God. He always did that, you know, but he was in what we call in the spiritual life, he was in the desert. I mean, he was kind of devoid of that. It seemed as though, as if God, you know, withdrew himself uh, from him. So the feelings weren't there. But yet, it was to to get him to um, not only desire God more, or, or at least to persevere as well, even through that, to recognize too that it is not really about feelings. It's about faithfulness. It's about um, you know, being persevering in, in what we're supposed to do and, and the best we can do. And granted, consolations and feelings are, can be a part of it, certainly. Um, you can't deny that. But if we base our feelings, if we base our faith on our feelings, then, you know, the first 
mention, say, of something that we don't like, like in a sermon, like if, uh, you know, someone actually mentions something Catholic or some where we have to deny ourselves or we have to, you know, some hardship that we have to do, etc. you know, well, I don't feel like I want to do that. So I don't want, I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to go somewhere else. And that's kind of what part of the system is kind of based on as well. I mean, you know, that's what you have 30 different thousand denominations of Protestantism is that, well, it's that if someone doesn't like what they hear or they don't feel good at this church, you know, they'll go to a different one or they'll start different one. Um, so if it was about feelings, you know, our feelings, as, as we all should readily admit, you know, we, we certainly become, um, we're very fickle in our feelings um, in that regards. And so if, if I, if I would pray only the times that I want, that I feel like I want to pray, you know, I probably wouldn't be as much as I should. Um, so it's about, uh, you know, it's about doing the things that we need to do, um, and, which is required of us by faith. And of course, if we're granted consolations and all those feelings, that, you know, those, you know, those times when we do feel good or do feel, you know, like, uh, um, and joy, et cetera, those are all wonderful, great gifts. But, you know, we can't base that on our faith. I mean, when our faith is in the intellect and, and, and our will is, is that to do what God wants us to do in his will. Father, un- unfortunately, the world recognizes the Novosota Church as the Catholic Church. Um, so what could we say to those that would say to be a traditional Catholic is to be disobedient? That is a, um, that's a, that's a cross. I, um, that that a traditional Catholic symbol that we have to bear is that you know we do. It is true that the world does the world at large uh, does look at the Novus Ordo and think that that's the Catholic Church. And so all the craziness that happens and all the changes that are happening and all will continue to change, etc. You know, people are, you know, they look to that and say, well, that's you know, why would I why would I want to be Catholic then if that's basically what we're what the Novus Ordo does is basically what the world does. So, you know, there's no need for conversions in that. And that's that's a difficult thing for traditionalists, you know, those who are of, of the traditional faith and, and the true church have to bear because we, if we see, if we meet someone, you know, who is either not Catholic or, or and often like when I go out, of course, I wear my clerics and, you know, people sometimes will strike up a conversation and they'll say, oh, you know, you you believe this, you know, isn't it so great that you, you know, that your your Pope, you know, does this and, you know, what do you say? And you try to say, well, no, not that's not the Catholic Church. Um, and and you're you're left with people kind of looking at you like you know you have a, a third eye you know you're, you're they're dumbfounded it's like what do you mean so it's it is a difficult cross that, that we have uh, to bear in in that regards and like you know to 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 I guess put it in a, in, in, a, in a perspective is is especially if you're talking to those in the Novus Ordo you kind of have to just throw out some things for them to think about and say, you know, something like, pick any saint, say, like for myself, you know, I, like I would say, you know, St. John Vianney was a, you know, he's the, the patron saint of, of priests, of, of parish priests, and, and 
you know, he offered the, the, the mass that his wife hasn't offered, and that's the same mass that I offer. And you have to wonder is that if he were alive today, or walking the earth today, and he would look at the Noah's Ordo, do you think that he would think that that was Catholic? Or, or would that be such a striking difference from what he lived and what he provided? Um, and so you, you kind of have to throw little things like that for people to, to kind of to think about. And you, you just say, you know, if it was good for all, every saint that has ever been formed, uh, that the church has proclaimed the saints, barring, of course, really any very recent ones, maybe that the Norse Order has done, but they all have been formed by everything pre-Vatican II. And you have to kind of stop and, and, and scratch your head and say, you know, if it was good enough for them, you know, and they, they're saints, and they, obviously they're in heaven now, and it was good for them, you know, why can't I have the same thing? Why can't I do the same thing? Isn't it, isn't it just, uh, you know, as they say, if it's, you know, tried and true, it's, you know, it's good. So let's keep it that way. And you've got to throw those little seeds like that to people to get them to think about that. And, um, and so it, it, you're right, but it is, it is difficult as a cross to bear that um, the world does look at the Noah Sordo uh, as the Catholic Church, and 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 the Novus Ordo ultimately is making a mockery of the Catholic Church, as it always has been, and so it's it's uh, you know we, we have to work cut out for us as uh, as traditional Catholics just to try to to throw those seeds of catechism for for others to just to think about and say no no, um, but if even anyone who is of goodwill, as we mentioned at the very beginning, whether it be Novus Ordo or even really non-Catholic. Um, those are of goodwill. I mean, I, I think they're beginning, you can again kind of say, wait a minute, you know, there's certain things of natural law even, or certain things of morality that, you know, just aren't right. And and people of goodwill ultimately will, will begin to recognize, yeah, wait a minute, if if they're saying that, then man, there, must, there must be something wrong. And then that could be a, a, a little seed thrown and, and, you know, a little, little hole in the dike, so to speak, and then you can kind of work with that. Yes, Father, as you speak of uh, planting of seeds, it's it's very fortunate now that with things like the Internet and the availability of, of a pre-Vatican II text that the traditional faith can be found so much more easily now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the like the programs like, like this program and, and many of and, – and, I know for myself, uh, well, no sort of watch uh, sponsors this program, but I know that they were, um, I know they were highly influential in, in helping me um, when I began to, you know, punch things in on the internet when I was in seminary and in, in the Paris as well, like you know, traditional Catholic faith and and uh, you know, certain other you know websites, uh, other websites too, as the writings of you know many of the bishops and priests of, uh, of today and. So you're right. It is. It is. It is readily available. But at the same time, too, one has to be cautious as well, because there are other things too, you know, that uh, will steer steer one in a, in a more difficult path, or even sometimes a wrong path. But by and large, if programs like this that you you get out good things and and tell people where they can go to get good things, certainly is going to make a difference and help. Many and you're right, and, and, and even Amazon and and uh, all those other you know booksellers etc. You know they have many good 
uh, you know, Catholic old Catholic books for sale. And, and you know, it, it, it takes effort on our part. We do have to look a little bit, but it, it is readily available. And so there really should be no, you know, there's no excuse on our part, uh, you know, to say, well, I just, you know, I, I it's just too hard. I, there's nothing, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to know. And it's just too hard to find out. Well, it's, it's really not today. Um, it's one of the, one of the benefits of, of the techni- uh, technology age that we live in. Uh, how can someone in the Novus Ordo seeking the true faith reconcile the traditional faith they're learning about with obedience to the claimant to the papacy, Francis? That's a, a very uh, a good question in regards to, you know, as Catholics, we have to be obedient to. Part of to be Catholic is that one must submit uh, to the Holy Roman Pontiff. I mean, that is, that is, if one doesn't, then one's not Catholic. And so the the crux of the matter then comes with the Novus Ordo is that if one says that Francis is the Pope, then one must submit to everything that he teaches in faith and morals. I mean, that is, that is a, a, that is that is the crux of being a Catholic. You have to. So if one then begins to, as we mentioned earlier, begins to pick and choose, begins to, you know, pick, wait a minute, uh, you know, this is, you know, like conservatives will say with uh, whatever encyclical, maybe that was written by uh, Francis or Ratzinger or, or John Paul II or any of them, and say, oh, oh this is a good one, and, and then ignore the rest, or the liberals will will pick the, the modernist liberal part and then ignore the, the things that are Catholic, is that then one is not being obedient um, because that is put forward then as, you know, as the Pope is, of course, the, the visible head of the church, is the vicar of Christ, is that what he says, um, you know, is supposed to be covered, of course, by infallibility when he talks of faith and morals. So when he talks of faith or morals, you know, a pope doesn't just talk as just a, a, in those regards, like in an encyclical and such, just like a, any old layman. Say, oh yeah, okay, this is well, he's speaking as the pope, and so one must submit to it. So then one must, and this was put to me very, very forcibly actually at one point, but that's what I needed is that you know, either one believes that the Vatican II Church, the Novus Ordo, is the Catholic Church. And if you believe that it is the Catholic Church, then you must submit to everything. You can't pick and choose. You have to. You have to accept. You know, all of the liberal goofiness as, as that goes on. And there's all the teachings. You have to submit to it all. But if one believes, of course, and then that the Nosoro is not the Catholic Church, it can be the Catholic Church. Then you have to run. You have to say no. That's not Catholic. And you have to submit. Then, then what you submit to, you submit to. Yes, you submit to the Pope. Well, what do we submit to? Are we submitting? Uh, we submit, of course, to the Pope from Saint Peter all the way on to Pius XII. I mean, that is, that is, you know, we submit to everything that has been uh, said and written uh, by the, the Holy Fathers. In that regards, we we submit to it all. Um, we accept it all. We assent to it all. We don't pick and choose. We don't say, "Oh, I like this encyclical of, of." Pope St. Pius X, but I, I don't really like what Pope Pius XI said on this one, so I'm not going to listen to that one. No, no, we submit to it all, because what they teach 
is, and they all teach is that it's the same. It's amazing. It's, 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 it's the same faith. It's this, you know, it's the, there's no contradictions in regards to, to what has been taught. It is, it is a very continuity to it. It's, a, it's the same. So we submit to it all. We don't pick and choose. And so to say that uh, if one accepts that Francis is the Pope or one accepted that Benedict was the Pope or John Paul II or Paul VI or John Paul uh, or, or, or John XXIII or, you know, if one accepts them as the Pope, then you have to submit to it all that they are teaching in regards to faith and moral. Um, and so, again, if the whole, you know, and this probably would be another good topic, I'm sure, as, as another time as well. But the whole recognize and resist, as the, as the phrase goes, is is really ultimately Protestant. You know, we, I'm recognizing him as the Pope. He's the Pope, but you know, I'm going to resist him on on this because you know he's not talking. You know, and one comment I remember um, that was said from from a, a conservative Novus Ordo was, "Oh, you know, I." I, uh, uh, yes, uh, Francis is, you know, he's the Pope, but I, I certainly would not want to have him teach my children catechism. Well, what does that tell you? I mean, are you submitting then to the Pope? No, you're not. It's a straw man. You're just saying, no, he's the Pope. It's nice. It's easy. But we're just not going to listen to him in certain things because then you become the arbiter. You yourself then become the arbiter of what you think is Catholic or not. You know, it's one thing is that I remember when I was little, I was often, and I would catch myself making excuses for this my my bishop or the pope or you know for for whoever. And I would I'd be trying to excuse them. Oh no no that's you know, well how who am I as a layman at that time? You know who am I to be making excuses for what the pope says? What I thought the pope was you know who the pope was you know or what this bishop says? Oh how am I? I mean aren't they? Are we supposed to submitting and be obedient to them? So the whole thing of obedience, yes, we must be obedient. What obedience means is that we meet, we must submit and assent to everything that is being taught. It's not a, but then it's not necessarily a blind obedience. It's not, you know, we just say, well, whatever you say, uh, you know, but we, it's with, because we realize, you know, we have to, we have that Catholic sense about us. We have to say, you know, yes, this is. The continuity within the the, the papacy uh, from Saint Peter all up to Pius is there's a there's there is a continuity there. There is a a a very clear, uh, concise, and, and I mean they're they're not contradicting each other. They're not, you know, it's very you know. So we submit to it all. So we 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 certainly as a Catholic must submit to the Holy Father to the to the to the papacy. And so even as and I've said this many times before as. You know, a set of contests is that you know we recognize that the man, the Novus Ordo is not the Catholic Church. The man in white now, uh, Francis, is not the Pope. It doesn't mean that we reject the papacy. It's nowhere near that at all. In fact, this is kind of the the um, kind of a, a almost an oxymoron in a sense that a set of contests really are the only ones today who actually uphold the papacy because we're the only ones who submit. Totally and completely to the papacy, to the to the teachings of Saint Peter, all the way up to Pius as well. Anyone in the Novus Ordo, whether they be conservative or liberal, they can't say that because again, they pick and choose. I mean, like I said, I was that way, and I realized I was that way as well. I was picking and choosing with 
what what was Catholic and and rejecting what was not. Whereas the liberals or those of that progressive bend would pick those of the modernists and they would reject those of anything smacking of you know the Catholic faith. So it's you know it, you kind of have to talk in, in sometimes in a very very simple and very practical way is that to be Catholic it is very that is this that is one of the hallmarks and necessities of being Catholic. We must submit to the to the Roman Pontiff. We must submit to the Pope. And, and but to what does that mean? That means that you know, and everything everything that is put forth is, is faith and morals. We must submit to it all, and we must accept and, and assent to it all. We can't pick and choose. Yes, Father, it's a relief to not have to explain away whatever the bishop or the quote-unquote pope said and, and have to uh, make those excuses. And then at the same time, you feel your own inconsistency because you choose traditional things, but then you also enjoy the, uh, or at least for myself, you enjoy the uh, no no penance on Fridays. So it, it, it was very uncomfortable living a life of contradiction in that sense that you wanted to be Catholic, but then you would still enjoy Novus Ordo, uh, quote-unquote, dispensations. Very true, yes. We, we as, as, a, as our fallen human natures, you know, as, as we all know, as we all should know, is that, you know, we have a tendency to gravitate towards our ease and comfort uh, away from things that we, of course, need to do and, and Certainly, you're right. We want, we want, uh, you know, we want the the, the 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 trappings of Catholicism, but yet, you know, when it comes to the the cross and the you know the, the self denial and the, and the penance and all that, sure. I mean, our fallen nature will say, "Oh no, that's okay. I, I like it. It's more comfortable." As we close out this episode, Father, we have covered the purpose of the show: seeking Catholicism. What is the Novus Ordo? What is modernism? And I want to thank Father Oswald for for his time and being with us on this episode. Um, is there anything else you would like to add in summary before we close out the episode, Father? Well, as I think we touched on it earlier, is just uh, is the main for those who are, are truly uh, in the Novus Ordo who who are trying to be Catholic is that one must always strive to study the faith. But again, the prayer life is is. Absolutely mandatory. I mean, uh, pray the rosary every day. You know, make sure that you know you you put yourself um, in the hands of God every day. You strive uh, to you know pray for His grace uh, to and and specifically ask to see the truth. Uh, I think that's you know we have to sometimes be specific in our prayers, and, and uh, that certainly is a good intention. To do, but uh, the prayer life is is indispensable, is is absolutely necessary for, by only by God's grace, of course, can we see the truth, uh, and, and so that is something that is one must uh, do. They cannot study without prayer, in that regards. Father Oswald, do you have any more uh, to share before we we say goodbye this episode? Nothing much in regards to other than uh, one could if uh, I do have uh, um, the church, uh, St. Benedict's Church of Catholic Church here in Lacey Springs. We have a website one could uh, go upon and, and uh, look. I have uh, some postings there of, of sermons and, and catechism classes. And I also write for the uh, Four Marks, uh, the Church of Catholic newspaper, um, an article for them each month. So there's a, there's, there's a plethora of things that uh, one could 
search for uh, to help them um, to to recognize the problem as we discussed in this uh, this uh, show, uh, but also just not just recognize it, but to begin to do something about it. Uh, you know, begin to you know again make that uh, um, break uh, escape as we can say from the nervous order. Um, but uh, you know it, it does take time and it takes effort. But uh, by the grace of God. Anyone uh, can do that. You can find the website of Father Oswald's chapel at st-benedict-hsv.org. Well, once again, Father Oswald, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you again next month as we continue this series. God bless you. All right. Thank you. God bless you. If you have any questions from Father Michael Oswald or feedback on this episode, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at escape at truerestoration.org. And we will pass along your questions or comments to Father Oswald. And we would also take this moment to remind you that all correspondence with us are strictly confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray. 